Blog Talk Radio. How would you like to get the inside scoop on the secret sauce of show business? Imagine being ahead of the pack when it comes to knowing how to land that part you crave in that film, play, or TV program. Listen to the Inside Acting Radio Show hosted by William Powell, the king of D.C. media, at blogtalkradio.com. Search Inside Acting. Good evening, dear listeners. Tonight, my guests are Hollywood actress Diane Franklin and her filmmaker daughter, Olivia De Laurentiis, star of the wonderful web series Sugar Babies, available on YouTube. Now, the show is about a pair of uh, platonic sugar babies. It's very funny. I've actually seen it. Uh, and Diane has appeared in uh, well-known films such as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Last American Version, and Better Off Dead, and more recently in projects such as The Amityville Murders, While I Got Wasted, and in Sugar Babies with her daughter. She is the author of at least two books about her life, Diane Franklin, The Excellent Adventure of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s, and Diane Franklin, The Excellent Curls of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s, and both of those are available. If you go out there to Amazon.com, you can follow Diane on Instagram at Diane to be with you. That's D-I-A-N-E, and the phrase to be with you, that's T-O. And you can follow Olivia at O-C-D-E-L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-S. That's O-C-D-Laurentis. Yes, indeed. So I see that uh, Diane and Olivia are on the line. Let me bring them on on the air. Welcome to the program, Diane and Olivia. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. What an amazing introduction. Thank you. What a mouthful, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Fantastic, fantastic. So now, in 2019, uh, I know it's been a good year for you, Diane. I see you've got, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Waking Nightmare and Wally Got Wasted under your belt so far. So talk about those characters and where we can see those films. Okay, so, um, well, okay, so Waking Nightmare actually hasn't come out yet. I have done some amazing work in that film. When it does, I will let you know. Um, I did a film called Wally Got Wasted, which actually is now out. It just came out. It just came out like a day ago, uh, Like right? a day ago, yeah, like a day ago on Amazon Prime. Uh, but you have to get the Amazon app to get it. I guess you can't just get it on Amazon Prime. I don't know why. But get the Amazon app, look up Wally Got Wasted, and I uh, have um, – I've never done a cameo before. This was my first cameo, and I have to say it, I, it's really memorable, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> memorable in a very funny way. It's uh, definitely, yeah, I'll attest to that for right. sure. <laughs> the whole movie's really fun, though. It's, yes. it's a very, very fun movie, um, and, and there's some really cool people in it. Yes. Um, well, Adam Ward is the direct, um, the director and the, um, He's the in it, actor too. as well. Um, and and while he got wasted, it is also um, it's a sort of a uh, if you like weekend in, at Bernie's, it's uh, it's great because it's, it's got like that, millennial weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah still make the daughter put that down and succinctly. Yeah. It's fun. That's the so, vibe um, I got from reading about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's very fun and uh, sort of like the hung- Hangover meets Weekend at Bernie's. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Is that good? All right. Thank you. Let's just go back and forth to the movies. And then the next movie was uh, a movie called um, The Final Interview. That is an art film. That film is going from uh, film festival to film festival, and it won Best Film Festival at uh, the 13. Uh, it's like I think it's the 13. It's called the 13 Film Festival. Um, and I think uh, they won, it won Best Film. Yeah, that one's like High School Musical meets Tell No, it is not. It is not. <laughs> it is, that is like scary. It's super scary. Um, but of course, my daughter does comedy, so whatever. Yeah, no, that one. That one is freaky. Right. It's, it's yeah. cool. You it's, watched it. She yeah. You, it's cool because it's all in like real time, basically. Yeah, and she couldn't take her eyes off the film. You know, like you just watch it and you you don't get you can't you can't walk go to the bathroom during it. You cannot get up. You yeah, have your body stuff. Yep, you your body stuff, right? Because you freeze up from fear. Um, but that's yeah. really wow. Film. And um, and then the the one I'm so excited about right now that's happening mm. February eighth, people is coming out in uh, select theaters and also exclusively on iTunes, Amityville Murder, and that is my best acting performance in my life. What do you say, Olivia? I mean, I love all the things you do, but I love that movie, and I think you kick ass in it. I really, I think it's um. I think, yeah, people should definitely go see that. I'm definitely glad it got a, a slightly, a, you know, bigger release than it was originally going to because I think it deserves a bigger release. I think it's awesome. And you are great in it. Aww. And everyone's great in it, actually. Yeah, the, the acting is in it is amazing. I have to say, yeah. uh, it's the real of all the Amityville, you know? Don't you think? Uh, yeah, in a, in a terrifying way, yeah. It's definitely like, well, I mean, because the whole deal with it is like, a lot of the other Amityville focus on the haunting, um, and this kind of focuses on more of the real situation that probably went down of, like, uh, mm. you know, it's kind of towing the line between, like, is this kid really, really on drugs and mentally messed up and hearing things, or is the house haunted? And, um, yeah. and, and like, what's him to do all this stuff? And is it him? Is it what's wrong with his brain? Or are there actually ghosts there? And I think that that part's really, you know, like it, it, you really, um, I don't know. I think, I think it does a good job not really ever giving you a, a, a full answer, but in a way that's still satisfying and cool. Yes, it's cool. I think yeah. awesome. Anyway, there you go. So wow. I have to recommend uh, you yeah. got to see it. When's the, when's, the, when's the thingy? Oh, yeah, we have, we have another premiere. Well, we had like a, a premiere actually at Scream, uh, Scream Fest. But this one now is the opening of the film, and I'm going to be there with the, with the director, Daniel Ferrand. Promote that. Yeah, the writer-director is going to be at the Area Cine Lounge in Hollywood, and I'm going to be there, too, for a Q&A. So uh, be there. Come to Hollywood. It's going to be exciting, and it's a Friday night. What a great thing to do on a Friday night, February 8th. To get That's right, out folks. Mark it on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> right, you can go get freaked out so freaked out or you could go watch the last american virgin at home yeah right that i mean it depends you there's, there's that too. People, <laughs> better off dead hate, yep. it depends on your mood there's right? such an anti-valentine's day crowd you know of, of bitter people and i think those people will be drawn they'd be drawn to amityville hardcore yeah there you go <laughs> there you go so yeah pick your poison there right whatever you want <laughs> That's amazing. So, Olivia, we've got to talk about you. You're very creative. I know that you Yay. poured your imagination into projects such as, I'm going to go way back to The Adventures of, of Last, uh, that oh, series. So talk cool. talk about so how that came oh to God. be. Okay, so basically, okay, so I was 12 when I made that movie, and 
basically, I have just, I've always wanted to make movies um, since I was like five. And I didn't know I wanted to until I made that movie. I basically thought I wanted to be a vet, but I'd be like, oh, let's make a movie about me being a vet. <laughs> so like, uh, but yeah, when I was 12, I, I just turned my mom at a certain point and I was like, I wrote this script. Uh, it was like, like 20 pages 20, long or yeah, something. And I was just literally like, I am so like, they make you read all these lame books in middle school about like, they're kind of like little house on the prairie type things about Irish immigrant families. They're all so like, precious and depressing and stuff and and they have yeah. and I was kind of like a I was a kid who loved like the dead Kennedys and stuff and I, I had more edge than the, the books we were reading in middle school <laughs> all the time. and so I made a parody of it and I was like I just wanna and we had chickens at the time because I'm crazy and I was like I just want to like make this parody movie about kind of this like Irish family of this like giant family that's kind of like a a parody of the Little House on the Prairie type books, but in like a really just like weird, it was just a weird mockumentary parody almost. And I was just like, let's do it. So we like went to Salvation Army and got all these costumes for like, you know, 50 bucks total. Got like literally all like my neighbors to play all the kids in it. It was like so weird. And, and I was just and the like, chickens were in it. By and the, well, yeah, the and we put us in Build-A-Bear outfits. Yeah. If you ever need to dress up a chicken, uh, Build-A-Bear outfits fit them perfectly. <laughs> just as they, um, and then we, yeah, we made it and then I edited it and like, I wrote it, I, I, I directed it, which was weird. Cause I was so 12. Um, now mind you, I did not do any of this. She comes to me and says, okay, mom, um, I would like to do this. And I'm like, okay, I'll drive you there. And so this yeah. is, so she uh, was like, yeah. I'll pay for the $50 yeah. of costumes because <laughs> you're a child and you don't have access to your Coogan account yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, it was just basically she was like my form of transportation, and that was the the best thing ever, just like a support. Like, I she I wouldn't have – and she was also like, yeah, whereas most parents would be like, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. So anyway, we made it, and it was like uh, – it was like 20 minutes long, and then we submitted it to a, a couple festivals, and the International Student Film Festival Hollywood called me back, and they were like, hey – you're like so weird. Um, <laughs> we don't have any other kids your age who are submitting stuff. And the kids who are older than you are submitting like three minute long, really, really, really basic movies. So you've just submitted like an over the top 20 minute parody and we love it, but we need you to cut it down to like 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, I got off the phone and I like had this Italian breakdown, like as a 12 year old being like, I'm never going to cut a minute off that. I can't believe they want it. And like, I run upstairs, <laughs> I come back like three minutes later and I'm like, okay, I can cut this. I can cut this. I can cut this. I can cut this. And then I, I cut it down and I submitted it like that day. And then, and that's when I knew she was a filmmaker. And we, that was it. When she came down and said she could, she could cut it because before it was like, well, I guess if you can't take that criticism, if you can't, take the, if you can't get punched in the face over and over and over again, get out of the other Right. But um, yeah, we so so then when we got the award for it, we literally brought the chicken to the award festival. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> wearing a billboard vest, and that is. And I don't know. And once again, I'm now 22. Looking back at this, this was 10 years ago. I don't know what strings were pulled, what gods were 
afraid to to have the security let us bring a live chicken into an event? That no, was, we that just, was a red carpet award <laughs> ceremony with like with a suit, like it was against all people. I don't know how that happened. I as a child remember being like, yeah, that's what you do. But no, that's like so. Yeah, no, I have to say this: Her, Olivia's life and my life with my kids is in, in itself a movie. It I is. don't know how oh, they wow. were so anyway, that's that's that, um, and I and that's when I was like, okay, let's make one at least one of these a year, and then I made a movie from twelve to eighteen. I would make at least one, sometimes two a year, and they'd be twenty minutes to forty-five minutes, and that was just kind of the thing that I was like, okay, cool, this is keeping me alive when high school is uh, boring me to death. Um, besides the improv part, because I friggin' loved my improv team and they were all awesome. So yeah, that's uh, that's me. From 12 to 18. <laughs> wow. So now we got to go to age 22. Now, I know uh, Sugar Babies is, is just so funny. I've seen some episodes of it. So talk so about much. the Isn't it great? Talk, so talk about the fan reaction to it and tell us a little bit more about what it's about. Yeah, okay, so Sugar Babies is basically um, my best friend and comedy partner, Sydney Heller, who we started um, – when we were, when I was 18 and she was 19, we started a comedy duo called Barely Legal Comedy because we thought, uh, for some reason, that that was a good choice to name it. Um, but now we're kind of stuck with that. As a t- I'm 22 and she's 24 right now, we're kind of stuck. Yeah. I mean, neither of us can legally rent a car, so like, I guess it's still technically fine. Um, that's sure you put comedy in there, yeah. though. Okay. Yeah. Don't look up Barely Legal Sugar Babies. I mean, you literally can. I'm, I'm the boss of nobody, but. Um, yeah, Barely Legal Comedy is what we made that under. Um, we've been doing a bunch of sketches, and we were like, let's just make a web series because we were talking about how so many girls right now, in um, especially girls in college and post-college, ha- uh, do this weird sugar babying business because uh, rent is completely unaffordable and uh, college is completely unaffordable, and you actually cannot pay for college on a, on a regular job that pays minimum wage. You have to have at least – several jobs or be taking out loans like it, it is impossible to live unless you have parents who are helping you or like it's very hard to just uh, you know the american dream is dead and um and so well there you go so we were talking about how like so many of these of girls are like that we knew and girls that we'd see on the news are doing this sugar babying thing where they have sugar daddies who pay for it, it depends on the arrangement so like uh, every arrangement is different um and, like, it depends on what the girl does for a certain amount of whatever. Uh, the weird thing that weirded us out is that so many of the arrangements were non-sexual. Like, we knew a girl who had a sugar daddy, and he was like, you meet me once a week for coffee. We never touch. But I just am lonely, and I need someone to talk to, and I need to feel like a young girl is interested in talking to me. We meet once a week for coffee. You never, ever miss a week, and I'll pay for your rent. Wow. And it's like, so weird and we were like that's such a bizarre thing but at the same time we thought how funny would it be because that sugar baby situation is usually spun in a way where you know it's like a girl is taken advantage of and we're like how funny would it be if we played these two characters who are basically complete sociopaths who um who just did it as a total business <laughs> And they just took advantage of these guys who were, like, lonely and wanted some sort of emotional connection. And these girls were the two least likely people to ever give emotional connection, but they had mm. their business. And they were just kind of these two sociopaths who went from sugar daddy to sugar daddy and had these clients. 
and like the my character has a boyfriend in it who's really passive and like I pretend he's fine with it and he like won't speak up for himself and basically throughout the series she and I both go through enough stuff that we learn empathy basically and uh and we thought it was like kind of a fun arc and just fun characters to play because you never see millennial girls kind of really played that way um and so yeah so and then we, the funniest fan reaction we got was we had a girl angrily message us asking mm. if we had based one of the characters off of her roommate. <laughs> and we were like, we were like, girl, we don't know you. <laughs> we were like, we don't know you. Who are you? And she was like, my roommate has the same name as one of the characters. And we were like, we don't know you. <laughs> and like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, she, she emailed us and was like are, like, are you like basing this character off my roommate who is a sugar baby? We were like, we don't know you. <laughs> Um, that was my favorite thing that happened. Uh, wow. And Diane, you had a scene, I think, in one of the, I know, in one of the episodes. Yes, I did. Um, my, I got to tell you, I love being directed by my daughter. I mean, what a gift. What a trip. It is, I mean, you have to understand, I've acted all my life. I acted when I was her age. And now to do shows that she's doing and she has me in them. I even say, like, you know, you don't have to have me in there if you don't want to. And she's like, no, Mom, I want you in this, right? So then, you know, I'll get to do the scene. And she's like, okay, we need to do this and this. And I'm like, okay. So um, so the pressure's on, you know, but I love it. And uh, I did one of the episodes, and I just had a blast. And it's also great. I love doing comedy, and I, I just really am so happy that I get to do it with her. Fantastic, fantastic. So now, Diane, I have a two-part question. We're going to take a, a left turn into the craft of acting. First off, um, do, you, do you still coach actors? And the other question is, how can actors who have been away from the business for a while get back into it? Um, yes, I do still coach. Um, and I coach – I mostly coach um, younger people – um, I would say probably, you know, 25 max. Um, I think it's just because there's, I mean, if I had a class going, I would do more adults. But for me, um, the younger people, um, you know, I go teach them and then they go off and do their stuff. Um, so I don't know. They, I think they're in a place where I'm also, that was really the more focus of what I did when I was acting. So I usually do younger kids, um, but I do coach. So if anyone's interested, you can go to what's my even? I'm like I'm like I'm You're so busy. I have like 19 emails, but um, I do uh, like the most excellent uh, most acting school. Yeah, acting uh, excellent. If you go to most excellent acting studio um, at gmail dot com, that's my Gmail address of that that's uh, one thing. Of your that's one of them. But anyway, so I, but I I coach and I coach so much that I actually haven't even put it out there. Uh, as much as for for what I do, um, and I teach uh, kids as well, um, and I do plays, and uh, so all the things I do, I I try to give back, you know, as an actress. And what it does for me as an actress and a full time actress is, I take my craft, I keep putting it out there to the next generation, which I think is really important. And then the other part is it keeps me up on what's current in the business and keeps me up on how to express that to the next generation, you know, how you, acting has changed since the 80s. So it keeps me current and um, it's just great. I mean, it's great to help people and great to help, help kids. Um, so that's the answer to your first question. Um, and the second question is, so I, if you told me when I was in my 
teens or my 20s that I'd be acting today, I would have said, you have got to be crazy. How is that even possible? That's, that's not even, I, I, that would be like my a greatest dream ever. I think actors, yeah. my, my dream as an actress when I was young was that I, I could act my entire life. Wouldn't that be great? Like that's one of the things I think that attracted me to acting in the first place is that you could do it when you're 90. You could do it your whole life. Isn't that wonderful, you know? Uh, for me, that's what I thought. And uh, then what happened was there was, I, I acted a lot, and then I took time uh, to have my family. But the reason I took my time at the time I did was because what made me very popular as an actress also made me unpopular at a certain point, meaning when you hit a certain amount of success, Suddenly, the, you know, you get, you know, the next generation, meaning the next decade or so, people are looking for new rising stars, They're looking for the new people to come up. And, and that makes sense. You know, like your idols are different than, say, Olivia's idols and my idols. Like we all want our generation, you know, to shine. But what's happened now is if you act when you're younger and then you take this time off, even if you didn't act when you're younger, you can act at any time in your life for sure. But what's interesting is now – I'm getting a resurgence in my career because all the people that I grew up with as teens now have the money. And so what's happening mm. is you get this, the people with the money are saying, Ooh, we want to go back in time when we were teenagers and we want to watch our memories. We want to see whatever happened to that person that I fell in love with in this film. And, and I want to see what they're doing now. Or I want to go back to that. And so whoever has the money has the say. So if you do have a, a career that's young, you can have a resurgence in it again. If you didn't have a career when you were young, well, that's great because you're a new face and you're undiscovered and casting people are more interested uh, because they're like, oh, we can now associate this person with a project. So there's no excuse, do you know what I'm saying, for an actor to go not go after it. But I will have to say this, there is an ebb and flow of the entertainment business. And you have to understand as an actor that you may not, um, that you can't be it all the time. I mean, actors that are really, really popular can't be it. And it has nothing to do with their talent. It has to do with just the interest of the public and wanting to see something new. So to me, like for instance, if you're a, a camera actor, well then the years, let's say that you're not working, do voiceover or do, you know, theater, and then maybe come back, like, it doesn't, or teach, like, doesn't mean you have to give up what you do, but go and find other places to use it, and then you'll come back. I mean, there's a great example, that other acting teacher, um, um, oh, now I forgot his name, but he was in The Fly. The Grinch? The, uh, no, <laughs> the, he was in The Fly, <laughs> uh, the actor, gosh darn it, I can't remember his name, but he was a very famous actor, he did um, uh, Jurassic Park. And then he took off, he did some teaching, and now he did then did commercials, and then he's now back to do some acting as well. So um, I think that you can act your whole life, uh, even if you don't get that TV series that carries you through your whole life. Uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, I think I get more recognition than a lot of people who have done TV series uh, because I did mm. film. So you got to keep putting yourself out there. Put your uh, resumes, especially to young filmmakers, um, like my daughter, right? Um, people who, do, um, uh, who are in college, send your resumes to them. They are doing new films. They are dying to have new actors represent their work. You know, if you go to NYU Film School or, I don't know, you know, all the Boston University, all those schools back east that are Emerson, like they need 
uh, actors, they need adult actors, not just kids, you know, not just young people. Uh, but if you're a kid, then do it too. So um, I really have to say that acting is a self-motivated profession. Do any job you can. Work day, you know, work, your, work night shifts so you can do your job during the day. It is, uh, in, I, I, could, I mean, I would say like it's a gypsy job, but it's a, it's a freelance life. It's a, and if you don't like that life, don't do it. But if you don't mind it, it's very exciting, you know. But you have to understand it's not like a normal nine to five. And you have to work extra hard at yeah. putting yourself out, right? So there you go. Exactly. That's my $2. <laughs> Excellent. And now, uh, Olivia, so I got I to gotta segue over to you. So as a, a young actress, um, how, how should young actors deal with rejection? Oh, that's a good um, question. Um, okay, so my biggest tip to myself and also to everybody else, but I, I say to myself because, like, literally I write it down on my hand because it's, like, that much that I have to just keep reminding myself – you literally just have to keep going. Like, basically, I have in the last four years especially, and especially in the last two or three years, encountered, like, you know, just like a shocking, soul-shattering amount of rejection. And, and that'll mm. happen both, you know, especially when you're in, like, your early 20s or a teen. That'll happen both professionally and socially, and then it'll compound, and then you'll just die. <laughs> and the thing that I think is really, uh, like, don't think of it as, as a, like, here's the thing. Every job opportunity you have is a, it's like you're entering a lottery because it's that hard to get something. You could be the most talented person in the world, and at the end of the day, they want someone with a different hair color. And you have no control over that, even if it's a writing sample. At the end of the day, they, they you know, they love your sample, but, um, the, the person's nephew is going to do it, like the, the CEO's nephew. Like it literally is so not in your control as to whether or not you get something, that the thing that is in your control is how many times you enter the lottery. And like if it's borderline impossible to get your first gig, uh, literally just keep submitting to every single thing you find online, every contest, every job, find every person, you know, who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and just ask that person for coffee. And like, literally you just have to a get rejected enough times that you become like, you know, in superhero movies where <laughs> like they find out the bad guy or the good guy is bulletproof because like they're walking towards the army and the army is just shooting them over yeah. and over again with machine guns and the bullets are bouncing off them and they just keep walking forward. Like you have to become that guy first off. And then even when you are that guy, you have to just keep going forward and just re-entering the lottery over and over and over and over again. Um, because at some point, you know, you will get lucky, but luck favors the prepared. And you just have to be really prepped, have, like, just be on it and just keep going forward. And, like, even if you feel the rejection and you don't feel bulletproof, just keep submitting to stuff like keep going forward and keep entering so that's kind of what I've been trying to get myself to do and what if anything has worked for me that's what it is um and also just yeah. like be good to people and like make friends and like and just be genuine and cool and fun and then more people will be like oh you know who's so fun this person uh because that really helps right. <laughs> but yeah I would say that's a really good way to deal with rejection is just going <laughs> through it. 
There you go. That's the key, persistence. <laughs> persistence. Yeah. So now, Diane, we got to talk about your books. How are your books doing, and uh, what are your plans to write some more? Oh, my goodness. All right, so first of all, I'm very excited. My daughter just told me this, and I'm going to share this with listeners. Um, if anyone does get my book, if you could write a review on Amazon, I would greatly appreciate it because supposedly, I guess if you get 50 reviews or something, then it kickstarts into the algorithm. the algorithm of moving the book even more out there. So, um, And I just have to recommend people my book because truly I wrote them for the actors. I really did. Like both of those books are written for actors. There's so many personal experiences and suggestions and um, attitudes, a uh, way to look at it that are invaluable to actors. Um, so uh, that I have to just bring up in my first two books. Um, and I, I think I'm going to be, I'll just keep writing books. So it'll be a nice series of them. Um, but my next book is actually going to be a tribute to Better Off Dead. And this book, I have um, a coat that I wear to all my conventions. I bring the actual coat that I wore in the film, this long, big, oversized coat. And so what I do is I let my fans wear the coat. And if they take a picture wearing the coat with me or if I'm wearing it or they're wearing it, they can submit it to me. And I'm my next book. And I don't think it will be out till late 2020. But I'm giving people time to submit the photo of of them wearing the, the coat. Um, and if they come to conventions with me, then they will be in my book. And I'm going to get, you know, like, you know, Savage Steve Holland, he'll write the foreword, and I'll get, you know, see if Curtis wants to write something. And I'm going to have a chapters on all the people in the film and basically how much, you know, everyone came together. Uh, people who love this film, I'm going to say this right now, are good people. You cannot be a bad is this a personal <laughs> he's such an underdog <laughs> you know it is it's like a love story and it's like and you're like the cheerleader oh thank you. well yeah it's just i feel like you know that's my character is a is a great role model for girls and so i just am so proud of that role and that film so i'm and, and i'm so excited that Savage steve holland is behind it he's into it you know he was like oh my gosh you're gonna do a tribute to better off dead and i was like oh my gosh of course so many people love that film and I think that, you know, it just touched a lot of hearts. So so that's my next book that we're going to do. And in the future, I might write books about acting. Um, a, a lot of people have come to me and said you should write books on acting um, because I have a natural uh, kind of gift for understanding how to, to teach it and talk to, about it. So, um, so we'll see. We'll, I'll let you know if, if I have books about that coming up. Yay. Awesome. Now, talking about uh, writing, so Olivia, are you writing any screenplays? I just wrote one, actually, and we're getting it. Uh, it, it just got um, optioned by uh, a production company, and we are going to make it, hopefully, this year. Woo! And I'm directing it. And congratulations. I'm congratulations. What? You said congratulations. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's called This Gets Rough right now. That's the title. Um, uh, anything is subject to change. Um, but it is a dark comedy about uh, Disney shows and kidnapping, and I'm really excited. And she's directing this. Is our, our, she wrote it. She is directing the film, and they're looking to shoot us sometime this year. And even though I told her she didn't have to have me in it, guess what? I'm in it. <laughs> I'm well, in this film. That's awesome. And, 
is one of my favorite things because, oh my gosh, how, to, my, to be in my daughter's film. And now here's the big kicker of it. Uh, the woman who is producing it is the other princess from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Check that out. It's amazing. And the thing, I have to tell the audience this. Um, the, her name is Kimberly Cates. Her original name was Kim LaBelle. But she's gone into more producing, and that's why she changed her name. And as Kimberly Cates, um, she was she's been out of the business, hasn't been acting, but she, she's been in the business. She, she yeah, acted. right, exactly. And she um, is uh, head of big uh, big screen entertainment. And she wound up, she, we were you know she would we talk a little bit, but she found out Olivia was a filmmaker, and she watched Sugar Babies, and she started seeing all of Olivia's sketches from Barely Legal Comedy, and said. When Olivia has a, a feature, I want to see it. I want to get first dibs on seeing it. Um, so please send it to me. So Olivia finished a screenplay out of UCLA. Yeah. And she, she, she had it. And I said, okay, Olivia, I'm going to give this to her because she has been watching your work and is a huge fan. So I'll tell you something. I, you know, people talk, oh, well, you know, maybe you knew somebody. The only reason that Kim got a chance to do this script was because she was a fan. And I said to Olivia, you know, you, you have to, somebody has to get you. And I'm telling you, like, if and this is for actors, either the people get you or they don't. And you mm. can't make somebody get you. You know what I'm saying? And right. you want, if, if somebody gets you, then those are the people you should work with. And even if they're not big or not stars, whatever it is, I mean, they will become big if and you and you speak the same language, if you're understanding each other. And she is such a big fan of Olivia's. And I have to tell you, this, the, yeah, the, the, this has been the most unbelievable. People talk about problems in working in films. And this film has been going forward so well because they both have the same head. They both understand. Well, everyone's just good at communicating. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Great communication. But, yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. And I'm, I'm so, so unbelievably grateful for it. And I'm just really excited to do it. And, and I sit there and going to Kim, thank you for being so supportive with her um, and getting it, you know, because that's, I mean, a lot of people love Olivia's material, but they didn't have the guts to pull the, you know, to, to pull them in. Right. You know, they've looked at Olivia and they, you know, it takes guts for a, a producer to, you know, put money down on something to find investors. You know, this is like, I mean, we're talking about something that is, you know, when the minute money comes into the picture, this right. is a big deal. So people, if you say, oh, it's people do it for favors, I'm telling you, it's favors are very, they go very short. Um, when it starts having to be real business and money, you know, you really have to know what you're doing. And so for Olivia yeah. does, and Kim has seen it, so proved it. I mean, they prove it to each other. So uh, that's all I can say as far as if you are a filmmaker and you want to make movies, you have to understand that. You even if you have a connection, you know, if money comes involved, you're going to have to bring it, and so that's what we try to do here. <laughs> yeah, that that that's so heartwarming. That that's just amazing. So Diane, I know that uh, at one point, and I think you still have it uh, out at Colt Radio Gogo dot com. You had a, a radio show. You still doing radio? Uh, you know, I have stopped doing radio, but I did love that program. That was so fun. It was the first program that I ever hosted. And I actually have one episode that I might see if I can play 
um, uh, either, I think, on my Facebook account. If people want to friend me on Diane Franklin fans and you go to, a, you'll see two black and white photos from my books, friend me there. And I'm going to start maybe posting some things that I did. I always post nostalgia, but I actually recently found it and I went, oh, this is such a great episode. So um, some of the episodes I still have. So it's great. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so we're getting ready to wrap up. So uh, I got a uh, question here I want to throw out to Olivia, and then Diane, I'll have you answer the same question. Words okay, of advice thanks. for words of advice for creatives out there. All right, words of advice for creatives. I would say, um, basically, to just do it more than people suggest you do because I think that a lot of people have that situation where they have a screenplay that they've written but it's not finished and they're waiting for it to be good enough and just even if it's not good enough just finish it and and like finish the web series even if it's not good enough and just put it up because the second you put something out there you actually have something and then you can make more things and stop I guess waiting for things to be perfect and just even if it means generating blindly just start making stuff because um, once again the, my coolest Lyft driver ever told me that luck favors the prepared and if so much <laughs> of the industry is luck <laughs> you gotta be prepared and have a bunch of stuff to show even if some of it's not good you can pick the things that are best so I just say just make things and finish them and put them out there um, uh, as opposed to judging, you know, put judging yourself and, and trying to uh, like wait till something's perfect because nothing is perfect creatively. That's true. How about you? <laughs> okay. Here's my suggestion. I have always so many ideas and thoughts, um, but here's my, my one for today. Um, and that is, when somebody criticizes you or says you're not good or you have done something that you don't feel very proud of, take a deep breath and let all the badness or the negativity out and try to hear it from the perspective of this. I am grateful that this person said this because this is now going to make me better. Because if a person just said good things all the time, you would never strive. But, and, and trust in your heart, if it's legit, you know, you know it. And so you make adjustments and changes. If it's not legit, don't, you wouldn't take it seriously. You'll go, oh, well, that's not right. real. You know, that makes sense. So you have to trust your gut when people make um, criticisms or suggestions. Or, or, you know, if somebody, if you don't get a job, that does, that's not, um, you may not be right for the part. But if somebody says to you, that wasn't real, or I didn't believe that, or whatever, then that could be a sign for you to step it up. And don't right. say it as, oh, I'm not good enough, but rather say, I'll take that challenge. Take the challenge. Mm. So, so think of, of criticism as a challenge as opposed to a problem or something that you can't surmount. Because honestly, everybody can surmount problems. But they cannot. Um, but you have to. You it's how it's the head. You have to think in the right in the actor's head, and the actor's head cannot look for what they they cannot look for their 
um, all what they cannot do. They must look for what they can do because acting is doing, right? So take those criticisms and turn them into challenges and go for it. All right. They're amazing. My, take that you take can do that it. challenge. <laughs> awesome. Well, Olivia and Diane, I've I've really enjoyed it tonight. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. We love being on your show. Yay, thank you. Absolutely. Definitely have you on again. Yay. Good. And isn't it funny how we sort of I think do we sound sort of the same? I was trying to hopefully hopefully did you think we sounded the same? Because <laughs> people think that sometimes. <laughs> Uh, somewhat the same, I somewhat, but you know, I, I could tell you apart. We'll try to sound like a, a little bit different from you when we're on phone interviews. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then they know who's talking. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, we y'all have Thank a wonderful so night. You too. Absolutely. Thank you. See you later. Okay. Bye, William. Thank bye. you so much. Yes. Bye bye. Good night. Okay, folks out there in Radio Land, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes the sound no one can find I never met anyone like you I wasn't living before you came Now I'm seeing myself in you Like a savior, you're my own.